right, welcome back everybody to another episode of Entertainment Evolved. We are like halfway through season seven right now. Uh, that's crazy to think, but I have with me right here today from Coffee and Lore, returning to the show. Lauren, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I love coming on here. I love having you on, and um, as a matter of fact, uh, it was the first two episodes of this show uh, where I immediately was like, we're going to talk about this on the podcast, because I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do this season. Um, I, I have plans to go through and do the all of the Christopher Nolan catalog. Uh, other than the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, the reason I'm going to leave that out is because I actually just reviewed that uh, over on Superhero Homies. We actually just did a rewatch and a review of all three of those. So you can check those out. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I do have plans to go through and do that entire collection, which I'm excited about. That will be really awesome. I loved the Dark Knight trilogy stuff that she did with our friend Ace. Um, Dark Knight trilogy is by far my favorite Batman. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, for sure. How could it not be? I know, yeah. right? So, yeah, can open. Here we go. Got to get that <laughs> ASMR on there. Um, but, yeah, uh, I wasn't sure, like, if there was anything current, though, that I really wanted to do. And then this show started coming out, and I was like, like, Ahsoka is in my, is one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Um, you know, like her and Obi-Wan are top two forever for me. Uh, so when they announced that they were going to do this show and that Dave Filoni was going to be in charge of it, yeah. you know, I was just like, okay, but I'm very skeptical of everything Star Wars now because Disney, Kathleen Kennedy, we'll get into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we do that, though, we've had a lot going on. This is the first episode I've recorded in the studio in, I think, six weeks. It has been a minute. It's been a minute since I've been here. I had to, yeah. like... Make sure I was at the right place. <laughs> I think the last time you were on was, uh, was it Mandalorian Season 3 finale? Um, when we did Assembled? Yeah, I was going to say it was an Assembled. I remember that. Yeah, which actually, uh, we recently just put out, like yesterday, uh, we did a podcast Assembled uh, with uh, Tavern Notice Board, uh, our friend Dylan, doesn't have a podcast. Uh, and then Superhero Homies, we actually just reviewed Baldur's Gate 3. I cannot wait to watch it. It popped up on my suggestions for Spotify, but I've been really hardcore in the verse right now, yeah. so I haven't really watched anything outside of Osaka. Um, so I can't wait to watch it, though, because I'm loving Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, um, so I will say that we know that most people haven't finished the game. I mean, none of us have finished right. it, actually. At the time we did the review... Um, but um, Oz, Ace, and myself were all—we're all very deep into the final act. So we all said, you know, we can review this. Um, spoilers for the review. Everyone gave it a ten. All, um, all four of us gave it a how ten. How could you not? Yeah. It's such a beautifully done game. Yeah, and uh, you know, we we kind of said like, okay, well, even if the ending was so bad that it was just like a a black screen with some text that tells you what happens. We would still, still it would still be it. a ten. Yeah. Um. So we went ahead and did the review, and uh, Dylan has only played Act One, and so the way that we did the review is there are no spoilers for Acts Two and Three, uh, and then there are some mild spoilers for Act One. So we really tried not to go hard into any of the characters, story arcs, and things like but that. But more the dynamics and the gameplay. Right. Uh, also because I know about fifteen people playing Baldur's Gate, and they're all playing different games, basically, because mm -hmm. every decision that you make kind of puts you in a different game, you know. So 
one little choice that you make early on in Act 1 could have huge ramifications in Act 3. I've had a lot of people be like, hey, you know, I I went and did this fight, and it was really difficult. And I'm like, what? You know, I, like, didn't, I didn't do that fight at yeah, all. Like, I never encountered this, or that person is dead in my game, or, you know, I, I uh, talked my way out of an earlier situation, and so I never got into this. Like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy how many variations. And yeah. I am playing as a cleric who is 100% trying to talk herself out of all altercations. <laughs> and that's that's an awesome way to play the game. I mean, <laughs> Because can... I'm not a conflict girly, I'm a magic girly, I'm yeah. a knowledge girly, so... Yeah, I'm sure my gameplay is vastly different than most people's, or the difference between my husband and mine's gameplay is oh, so bet. insane. Well, mine, uh, I originally started it off like most of the time with an RPG like this, uh, Mass Effect, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, what have you. My right. first playthrough, I'm going to be a, a good guy, yeah. and then I'll usually go and do an evil playthrough after that. But quickly I realized that Baldur's Gate is not that kind of game. Like, there's no, that's not really a thing. So I started, I'm playing a druid, and so I started playing from this character's mindset of, I'm going to protect nature. Like, if you are harming nature in any way, then you're, my enemy. you're dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I'm playing it, and uh, it's been very interesting and, and really fulfilling. So still playing it as, like, a morally good type of character. For sure. But also with a bit of, like, that druidic wrath in there, too, so... Uh, Absolutely. It definitely scratches the D&D itch, oh, for sure. Yeah. It's the closest recreation of D&D that I can possibly imagine. Yeah. that I mean, I am not a huge gamer. I've not played a ton of games. I can probably name five or less that I've spent any amount of extensive time on, and one of them is Animal Crossing, so it doesn't <laughs> even count for some people. It counts. But um, I think it's a beautifully done game. That's a really good representation for D&D. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're also, I think this weekend, we're going to be putting out a review for Dragon Con 2023. I just got back from there, as you can see on the shirt. Um, so jelly. We, we visited, uh, so the first night we got there, we visited the Monk's Meadery, which is the oldest meadery in Georgia. Uh, and they do, this is their shirt, they do a special Dragon Con uh, brew every year. Nice. Um, so they actually did two this year. So they did the Dragon's Nectar, and then they did the Imperial Dragon, which is a stronger version of that. And it was actually my favorite of all of them. But we, we went there, and we did a flight, and um, I got a bunch of their different meads and stuff, and it was That just incredible. sounds so cool. Like, it's not even part of Dragon Call. It's just something you did separate. And I'm like, I want to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And, well, and, and also, you know, if anybody is at Dragon Con and doesn't want to go to, you know, make the trip over there, um, they have a tent in the Marriott. So it's it's not as cool as going there and being able to do all the flights and everything, but they, I think they sell the Dragon's Nectar and maybe the Imperial Dragon at their tent in the Marriott too. So you don't have to leave the con, but it is a cool kind of thing you can do that you can only do during like that time of year during Dragon Con. I want to go so bad. Yeah. I, do, I want to go so bad, but I would 100% have to tag along with you because my spouse is not going with that many people. My child is not going with that many people. So I, I have acted as as guide. a Dragon Con guide for many years, um, partially because my first year that I went, I was so woefully unprepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate at the time, basically, I'd never heard of it. And he said... 
hey, there's this thing going on in Atlanta this weekend. Do you want to go? Oh, my gosh. And, and then this was like on a Wednesday, right? And, I, and, and Dragon Con starts on Thursday. And, and I'm like, sure, fuck it, let's go, you know. And I have no idea what we're getting into. So it's like we stayed at a friend of mine's house. And we took the MARTA bus to the MARTA train. And then took the MARTA train into Peachtree Center. And then went to, went to the con. And this was 11 years ago. This was my 11th Dragon Con this year. No, no. 12 years ago because 2020, it didn't happen. So right. this would have been like 2011, I guess. Um, so we go there. And I am so unprepared. I'm I, sure. I don't have the app. Uh, I'm sitting there looking in the book trying to figure out where things are. And, like, things change after they print the book, too. Like, things oh get moved God. around and delayed and everything. And, like, we don't know what a, we don't know about panels or, like, we, we didn't know who was going to be there, you know. or That's insane. Or yeah, yeah. So, we're just there. We don't know where the vendor hall is. We don't know about the arcade. We don't know about anything. And we're just meandering around aimlessly at Dragon Con and have no idea what we're doing. And so, from that experience... To now, I have really perfected, like, you need these items in your bag. You need, you know, to know where this is. You mm-hmm. need to have your schedule mapped out. It's a very, very laid out, planned out thing now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of become a thing where, you know, if somebody's new to Dragon Con, never been, they'll hit me up and I'll go, yeah, yeah, sure, you need all of this. And this is what you need to expect. And uh, I think I'm taking Sophia to her first con um, in January, which I think you will also be at. Is that the Amazing Con? Yeah. Savannah? Yes, we're, I will definitely be she there. She has two cosplays I think she's going to do. She doesn't know we're going yet. It's going to be uh, a Christmas gift. You know, I really should start. I think this is what I'm going to do for 2024. Do more cosplays? Not um, yes. Also that uh, because all of those fucking Cosmere cosplays at Dragon Con, um, that they, they so it, it hurt my heart that I was not uh, that I did not do my Dalinar one. Um, so that is I, I definitely have got to get a Cosmere cosplay together for next year because we're going to Dragon Steel Con. So when and where is that? That is in Utah. That's Brandon's convention. Right, I've seen. And uh, Kay and I are going. In That's November. so cool. Yeah. So the, the, we're going to be there for the release of Stormlight 5 when it that happens. That is so cool. Yeah. I'm so hyped. I can uh, only imagine. Yeah. So uh, we're going to Utah in November. It's going to be great. It's <laughs> probably going to be like 10 inches of snow on the ground or something. That's so. okay. Make snow angels make the best of it. It's going to be super yeah. fun. I have a SJM cosplay that I really, really want to do. Yeah. Um, you know I like the dragons, and I so do. there's a wyvern rider named Manon who um, is a BA character in the Throne of Glass series. Yeah, and so I want to do her cosplay, and then I found some um, dragon wings for Odin. I don't oh, know God. if he's going to wear them, and obviously he's not going to go to a con <laughs> with me. But for Halloween. I am hoping he's going to wear these dragon wings and be a goodest boy. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'm really hoping he's going to let me put these on him. Yes. <laughs> so you, um, I, I promise we're going to get to Ahsoka. But, I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. It, it's all right. We did like a 40-minute cold open uh, on an episode not too long ago. <laughs> and, I, and I don't think we're near there yet. Yeah, you were at 11 minutes. Just, just stick through it. Um, <laughs> I think next year, though, I am going to post my con schedule because that's not something I've done. 
um, because I do want to start doing more kind of networking for the for the show at cons. Absolutely. Um, when we went to Soda City Con this year, there was actually a podcast there. They were set up and they were doing like a live thing. And I was like, that would be really fun. And I have all the equipment to do it. And I'm already going to be here. So That's so cool. I, yeah. I would 1,000% listen to a Dragon Con or any sort of yeah. con, even if you started with like one of the smaller ones. I would 1,000% listen. I would never want to do it at Dragon Con. The most I would ever do at Dragon Con for the for the show and and I, I love you all but but dragon con is my <laughs> time it is my time yeah uh and uh the most i would do is get like some badge flare made and and hand it out and that's that's something i'm gonna do um that's really dope but i i don't want to uh do anything more than that at that con because that con is for me yeah you know? that's it is my thing. treat every year exactly so um yeah it, it is what it is on that uh I just finished. I added it to the shelf over there. I just finished Yumi and the Nightmare Painter. Um, I cannot. I, I will. I'll probably do a review of it later uh, once another human that I know finishes it. It'll so, be soon for me. I yeah. just finished the one behind you. Yes, uh, in the Emerald Sea about two weeks ago. Speaking of your show, yes, he just reviewed this beautiful creature right here. And as a matter of fact, uh, you can catch a short review from me. On my channel as well of this, it's actually just me in this room talking about the book. Because, like, I finished it, and I immediately ran in here and just cut the camera on and went, you know? That's what I did with it, too. Yeah. Um, it was one of those that left me with so much to say that it, as soon as I finished it, I was like, and action. Yeah. Um, it's it's tremendous. Like, I really love both of these books. If I had to pick one, it's Yumi for me. But... <laughs> Um, I really loved both of them. I, I actually did not think I was going to like Tress because it is not my kind of book. Um, but I loved it. You know, I really loved all of it. I loved the Cosmere tie-ins. I loved that you could read it without knowing anything else. Yeah. Um, and, and it would be fine. It does have a spoiler for the Mistborn trilogy in there. So like, you know, um, I would not say uh, I would really wouldn't recommend somebody just pick it up and read it without knowing anything. Um, especially like if you read Mistborn and like haven't read Well of Ascension or uh, Hero of Ages, yeah. if you pick this book up and read it, it's going to spoil the shit out of Hero of Ages for you. But other than that, though, I mean, it's um, it, it's definitely standalone. You can read it without anything else. Yumi. You won't get it, get it, like you won't get all the little things out of it that I got, but it doesn't spoil anything, and it's, you know. It, yeah, it I think a, a lot, I like that a lot of his secret projects can be read as, you know what I mean? Yeah. They add to it when you've read all of the Cosmere, but it can be that. Yeah. I mean, I ha I've had people be like, I really want to read these secret projects, what do I need to read before them? And I'm like... Everything to really get it. Yeah. So here's, here's the list. <laughs> uh, you should read all of these and these all these novellas and stuff. And then sometime next year, you know, you get around to reading Tress and Yumi. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I would recommend doing it that way. But they, if, if you really know that you're not gonna, uh, if you're not gonna read, you know the the like probably seven thousand pages to get you there then like if you just know you're not gonna do it then by all means pick up either one of these and just uh have a blast because i think brandon's evolved as an author 
Yeah. To the point where, like, these are just absolute joys on every page right now. I agree. I think Warbreaker is pretty close to the best one that you could read and not, you know. You're not going to quite get a maybe, like, one thing, but Warbreaker is pretty standalone, I would yeah. say. Oh, yeah. You can absolutely just pick there's, up Warbreaker. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of things that come into play later in, in the, you know, Stormlight stuff. Yeah. But... As far as anything that you need to know for Warbreaker. No, you can just pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. I've recommended Warbreaker to about three friends. Yeah. So. Emperor's Soul, same way. You can just I pick that up. loved Emperor's Soul. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a fun one to just. Just like, binge. If I know somebody that reads a lot and they're like, hey, I want to try out Sanderson. Like I used to tell them to read Mistborn and like I, that's still absolutely where I would tell mm-hmm. people to start. Um, but. Uh, I, I have a couple, I, I have a couple people where I've been like, Hey, look, um, if you can get a copy of, of Emperor's soul, that's a good place to start. And they'll read that and go, I need more of this. And I'll be like, well, fortunately for you, There's there a is a more. whole lot more. Here you go. I also like to recommend the audible because yeah. the audible is a dramatic acting. So every character has their own voice yes. and it is really good. I yeah. have it on repeat in my car quite often. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's 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 so good. Um, so that brings me to uh, you your trust review. I checked that out recently. Yeah. Um, I also finally got to watch your um, five books that uh, under delivered, over delivered, etc. Uh, and that was great. So check that out over on Coffee Coffee and Lore. Um, and I actually. Is it Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday. There will be a small redaction to that list. Mm. Not a redaction. But I went back and reread one of my books that I said was um, did not get as much hype as it deserved. Yeah. Because in doing my research for the video, I kept seeing really negative reviews on Goodreads on this book. And I was like, I read it the week he came out and I freaking loved it. Yeah. Now, granted, this was very early in my sci fi reading life. Like, I was a historical fiction girly for, or a supernatural i would read vampires and things like that but very very you know a long time most of my reading journey i have only really dabbled in very world building fantasy and sci-fi probably for two or three years right and um so when i first read this it's the Ernest klein novel when i first read it it was top tier sci-fi for me right but I challenged myself to go back and reread it a week ago. And I did not redact the fact that it's a good book. But you'll have to watch and see my opinions on a few things now. All right. So that's coming out Wednesday? <laughs> Wednesday right. morning. You so can check see. that out. Yeah. yeah. If you do watch my five over, five under video, you can see what I got to say about a reread. I recommend it because, like, you read more than I think anybody that I know. I mean, you're... I am at currently, for this year, 107. Very nice. And Tress was your 100th, which was... Tress was my 100th read, yeah. Um, I was on the fence about Tress and another book that had been highly recommended to me, The Lost Apothecary. And I'm so glad I went with Tress. (laughs) Because it blew the Lost Apothecary out of the water. I promised you, you would not regret it. No, I am yeah. so glad I went with Tress. Um, I think there was probably 50 times in that book that I was reading it and went, Lauren will love this. Next page. <laughs> Lauren is really going to fucking love this. Next page. And, yeah. and I loved every ounce of it. Like, 
between that book and Warbreaker are really tough on me for my favorite Sanderson work. Now, my favorite in like a series of his, I would have to go Words of Radiance. Yeah. But as far as standalone stuff by him, I can't pick between Trust and Warbreaker. I just can't. I think they're both whimsical, fantastic, comforting reads. And there's just no – we talked about that a little bit. Um, a lot of my friends are doing these book brackets where you have to pick a favorite book of the month and then they battle until you get to one in the middle. There's no way on God's green earth I could ever do a book bracket. Oh, I can't. I I now kind of want to do that with like the Cosmere. Like, I will send you the link for the book bracket that I have. It would hurt my soul. It hurts. But, you and Kay did yeah. something similar to that. Yep. So, um, Kay and I, um, the Crochet Fairy, check her out. Absolutely, um, we, she's we, amazing. Yes, we did our review. Uh, well, not a review, but we did a ranking of the Cosmere, mm-hmm. and we didn't specifically go like one, two, three, four. It, we you know we kind of did it like S tier, A tier, B tier, whatever, and you know it, it just uh, even that was tough uh, because she wanted everything to be <laughs> like at the top, <laughs> and I was like, "You gotta let me drag Well of Ascension down to the bottom." Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was a, it was a fun episode. Um, really loved that, but we did. It's it's mostly spoiler free, um, so. You know, if you want to know what the the cream of the crop is, you definitely can check that out. At some point in the future, though, I really would love to do a um, a spoiler uh, filled, filled one. I would love to be on it. <laughs> one, uh, maybe once all the secret projects are out. That video though forced me to read Lost Metal. If yeah. you remember, I read it immediately after watching that video because I was like, I haven't finished this series and I have to. Yeah. So. Yeah. Super good. Yeah, uh, I actually I have a lot of love for Lost Metal. Um, that was a that was one for me where I like I had pre ordered the book and I had read online that like some of the Barnes and Nobles are breaking street date. So I went to every Barnes and Noble within like driving distance of my house looking for it, and they were all like, "No, no, it doesn't come out till tomorrow." I'm like, "Yes, I know." I got up the next <laughs> morning. I didn't want to wait for the package to come, I so I went when they opened and bought a copy. <laughs> Because I was like, I need a loaner copy of this anyway. It's fine. So. I remember. Um, I want to do a Mistborn reread eventually. Um, I'll have to dedicate a month to it, like I'm dedicating Throne of Glass to September. Yeah. Um, because I want to read Lost Metal the way that it deserves to be read, which is in succinct succession of the others. Yeah. Um, just because sometimes with me in lengthy series with a lot of characters – I get too muddled with too many books that I've yeah. read in between. So I want to read it the proper way. I enjoyed the hell out of it the way that I read it, which was, you know, a couple of months after I read the others. But I want to read it in, like, a vacation mode style yeah. type of thing. Yeah, I'm actually probably going to do a Stormlight reread next year before 5 comes out. Um, although I don't know, like, if I have to or not because – I'm always talking about those books with someone. And you I, put the Audible on quite a bit, too, in your car, don't yeah, you, for I trips? Do. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to go to the beach in a couple weeks, and uh, I think we're going to listen to Rhythm of War for most of that trip. Nice. Fortunately, it's like, you know, 70 hours. It'll cover yeah. the trip there and back, like, several times. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there and back again. But, uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, that being said, I guess we can get to the oh, main event Asaka, here. Yes. Um, so, as I said earlier, 
I absolutely love this series. Um, I have been a huge Ahsoka Tano fan forever. Um, my first introduction to her was probably in the Clone Wars movie, which mm-hmm. is fucking awful. <laughs> Uh, but over time, like I started to really like her and like, uh, I know a lot of people that are really into Clone Wars and I understand like, there's a lot of talk about this now. Clone Wars and Rebels are both really difficult to get into mainly because like, I don't like the animation style of early Clone Wars. I don't like the animation style of any era of Rebels. I just don't like it. But both of the shows start off very geared towards kids. Like they're very... That is my problem. I am an Anakin Skywalker fan, you guys. I have been for 20 plus years. I That is my favorite Star Wars character to ever grace the realm. I don't care and I don't want to hear any negativity. But I cannot watch Rebels and Clone Wars because I don't like the anime. I have tried yeah. on in the past, you know, however long they've been out, multiple times. To get into these. And as an Anakin girl, I'm like, I need this information. I need these time frames. And unfortunately, 1,000% cannot get into it. Yeah. Um, I would. I tell anybody with Clone Wars, skip the first 10 episodes. Just skip them. You go right into like an Ahsoka and um, Asajj Ventress fight. And... You may not know what the fuck's going on, but mm-hmm. it's better than watching those 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then around season three is when the production value of Clone Wars really kicks up and like the animation gets a little better. Um, and then by like the last season of Clone Wars, though, that is some of the best Star Wars that exists. And, it's unf- and that's like the Siege of Mandalore and all that stuff. And it's unfortunate that... You know, that it's buried so deep in there because that that's like uh, most of season seven is what was going on in episode three of Star Wars during Revenge of the Sith when we weren't following Obi-Wan or Anakin. Most of it is through like Ahsoka or some of the clones point of view and we're kind of seeing what what happened. And you know, I with hate them. when any subject matter does that. Like it's like, oh... Throw away the first or second season. You got to get to this season. Me too. Even books. I was just talking recently with a friend of mine about this. And um, there are a couple of series that I love, but the first book is a complete throwaway. Like the main male MC is not even the main male MC for the rest of the entire series. I hate that shit. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do it. Like if somebody tells me, this is a great show. You just got to not – like the first season is just bad. And I'm like – yeah. How many episodes is the first season? If it's like eight, maybe. But like, if it's a book series and they're like, well, the first one sucks, but like, you really got to get, no, not happening. I'm not even going to do that. That's what took me so long with Throne of Glass, dude. So the series as a whole is very, very dark and it makes you, it's gritty and it makes you get really into it. But the first Throne of Glass book, I'm sorry, you guys. And I've said it many times on my freaking channel. It's trash to me. It's just not good because in the prequel short stories, if you read it in the correct order, the last short story of the prequels, a devastating death. Yeah. And then it jumps right into Throne of Glass with two new love interests. And you're like, I don't give a fuck about any of these people. (laughs) And it took me three more books 
to get back invested into this series. Yeah. And I just think SJM is notorious for doing that, but I, I can't do it. And so with Clone Wars, it's probably very similar. Like those first couple of seasons, <laughs> I can't get through them. Yeah, um, it, it's it's pretty rough, but there, it, it is crazy how good some of the later stuff is. And there's some good stuff in Rebels as well. Um, but it takes a while to get into that. Like you could tell with all of these, like with both of these series, it's like, and this is, this is really just my theory. Mm-hmm. So this series is, is, uh, is, uh, the showrunner's Dave Filoni, who I think is the best person to run Star Wars. Like, uh, anything that has his name on it is going to be really good. Like, he is the re- the true, like, apprentice to George Lucas. Yeah. I, I agree. You can see his passion in it. You can see he knows his information. His characters, like, he, he writes them or directs them the way that they, I feel like they should be in real, in real life. That's how <laughs> they are. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... He's got probably more knowledge of Star Wars than anybody, even even George at this point. Um, and so Clone Wars was kind of, the way I, I see it went was George Lucas was heavily involved at the beginning, and he wanted to make a, a kid's car- Saturday morning cartoon show. Mm-hmm. And Dave Filoni wanted to make Star Wars. And so, you know, as, as George became less and less involved, mm-hmm. and, you know, by season seven, it, he's not involved at all. It's just Dave Filoni running it. And he created Ahsoka. That's his baby. Um, love her as a character. I love her arc um, through those shows, which, by the way, full spoilers here for everything except uh, including the first four episodes of Ahsoka for sure because there's some stuff that happens that I have been waiting to talk about yeah so yeah if, tune out now if you don't want to be spoiled but um it, yes just I mean her arc in Clone Wars where you know she's a- Anakin's Padawan which is not an easy thing to be because he's so reckless himself you mm-hmm. know and she spent so much time around Obi-Wan also so she has so many influences from from both of them. Very differing people. Yeah, and 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 her time as a Padawan too, um, you know, from day one was in the middle of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So she was very close with her, you know, her her troops as well uh, with the five hundred first, and so going from that into everything that she goes through in the Jedi Order, her leaving the Jedi Order entirely. And then, you know, um, everything, of course, that happens with her mentor, with Anakin and, like, his mm-hmm. downfall and everything, and her guilt of having to live with that of, you know, if I had been there, could I have stopped him? Like, would he have gone to the dark side if I had been there? And she doesn't. she's never going to have the answers to those questions. And you can tell that it haunts her and it, it torments her. Um, and, and also, too, like... Uh, the the other thing about this that's so tragic is if you have not seen Tales of the Jedi on Disney Plus, so good, absolutely watch it. But uh, the kind of horrifying thing that that they foreshadow in that is Anakin trained her to fight clones yeah. for hours and hours and hours, and uh, that's when she adopted the second saber, where she does the the two saber stance, and 
she is incredibly good at fighting clone troopers. I think she's one of the best Jedi fighters that I have seen, like just strictly fighting. Yes, absolutely. And and when Order 66 happened and her troopers turned on her, she had to slaughter them. And, like, she had worked side-by-side with them, you know, day in and day out. And, like, that haunts her as well. So, you know, just the her arc and, like, all the tragedy involved in it. it, To get to where the Ahsoka is now. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, you can see the haunting in her. Um, Rosario plays it fantastic. She does such a good job. She does. I loved when we got her in Mandalorian for that one episode. Mm -hmm. And then in Book of Boba Fett, we got to see her and Luke on screen together. And I loved that. Um, that was probably my highlight of Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, that episode. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, th- this is incredible. And then they're like, we're going to do an Ahsoka show. And I was like, oh, yes. So I was really worried about how they were going to do that, though, because everything that we've gotten kind of in the live action stuff, the Jedi, Sith, whatever, the the Force users are very much either... Like, it's either a side character, they're kind of in the background, or we have Grogu, who's very early on, like, using his Force powers. Yeah. This is a fully trained veteran Jedi as a main character, so I was like, well, how is the show going to handle that? And I think within the first ten seconds, I was like, okay, now I'm not worried about that anymore. No, absolutely. I think they do a really good job with the Force use and everything. Um my fear, obviously, was that they were going to make it into this, like, incredible power that's just, like, you can just slaughter people with yeah. the Force. Like, I was scared. You know what I mean? I think anybody is whenever you're like, okay, this is going to be a show and the Force is going to be used. And you're like, okay, who's doing it? Yeah. <laughs> because I just don't like it when things are ruined for me. Um Going to the Disney movies. The, she um, brought it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because there are bits and parts of it that I really fucking like. Yeah. Like, I am a Kylo Ren stan. I think that he's a great character and could have had a lot done with him because of the, the, just the story of who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And how he ended up on the dark side with um, Luke and just like so much. I thought it was a great story. But it, they just made it so cringy yeah. and so over the top and so, I don't know, like, there's something was not clicking. All yeah. the lockets were not together. And um, so I was really scared. <laughs> they were going to have the Force be this insane ability that was just going to take ships down. And I was like, fudge. <laughs> but well, they do it really well here. I, I think I had the exact opposite concern. Oh, I wow. thought that they were going to downplay it because other than Ray, like Disney is really bad about that in the sequels where, you know, in the like in the prequel trilogy when you see like the things that Anakin or Obi-Wan or Mace or Yoda can do mm-hmm. or, or Sidious and then you go into the sequel trilogy and it's like, okay, we have a fully trained Kylo Ren and yeah, I get that he got shot, but, like, he's losing a lightsaber fight to somebody who never picked one up before. And, you know, like... Yeah, I was... That's what I thought they were going to lean towards, was that overwhelming power of, like... Yeah. I could have just seen Asaka standing there and then, like, bringing down this... <laughs> like, I just... It was a lot. Yeah. I, I Well, so, I actually thought that maybe they might try to, like, downplay right. her as she's not this incredibly powerful you know, character because she, she is like, um, you know, she 
I mean, really, you know, one of the major threats of like the the Obi Wan show is like the Inquisitors and stuff, mm-hmm. and like uh, Ahsoka fucking kills a lot of them. Like uh, she do. Yeah, she's not. Um, yeah, she, you're not. You really don't want to trifle with her. As a matter of fact, I mean, other than Luke, at this point in time that this show takes place, she's one of the most powerful characters in the galaxy that we know of. Um, and we, but they actually adequately displayed that, and I really like it. No, I 100% agree. I think they hit it right on that perfect middle of what you were scared of and what I was scared of, yeah. and they found that perfect midline, and they, they did a really good job. So as somebody who probably wasn't familiar with some of these characters... I want to get your take. So we got introduced to, we get introduced to both Hera and Sabine in the first episode, but we didn't get a lot of Hera in that episode. So I'm going to save that for a second. But what did you think about Sabine when she was introduced? Sabine is a great character, but she is also every single reason why I could never be a Jedi. (laughs) Because I will Bend like a mofo if you threaten somebody that I care about or yeah. somebody I care about is missing or etc. Like I I there I would do some shady shit. Yeah. So she want, is explains every reason why I love Anakin and every reason why I could never be a Jedi. Yeah. So I love her as a character. She is probably one of my favorites in the show. Sabine has such an interesting history that they don't have time to really go into. They they do the best they can with the, the limited time they have. Right. But her arc is so interesting because, you know, she was uh she actually used to wield the Darksaber. She had it before Moff Gideon got hold of it. And so and if I'm not mistaken, uh correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm if I have this wrong, you know, try try not to flame me too bad, Star <laughs> Wars uh fanatics. But I'm pretty sure that she's actually the one that handed the dark saber over if i'm not mistaken so i think that um god what's her name in uh, mandalorian i my my brain just blanked um the female yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um general type person um yeah she's like <laughs> she had the dark saber uh, i can picture her little blonde bob Oh my god, I I feel terrible right now. I have to look this up. I can't. Yeah, my um, brain just completely blanked out. That's okay. We'll get we'll get her name. But um, so is Sabine in? Like, does her story? I've read online like some fan fiction and stuff to do with her. But is her story in Clone Wars or Rebels? Freaking Bo-Katan. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Sabine's. Uh, so her story actually kind of starts a little bit in Clone Wars because. Obi-Wan has a relationship with her mother. And okay. then, um, so... Sabine Obi-Wan is, has a relationship with her mother? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, so Sabine is Mandalorian royalty. And uh, not, not, not his kid. Uh, but... Uh, yeah. So she um, kind of comes up through that. Like, she probably was the rightful heir to Mandalore. And I'm pretty sure she's the one that hands over the Darksaber to Bo-Katan. Nice. Um... And so she has such an interesting history there. And then she gets very close to Ezra, who they're looking for now. Yes. Um, Ezra made the self-sacrifice to basically um, to take Thrawn away from the galaxy. So what ha- the, the major event that happens in Rebels that drives this show is 
Ezra basically has the Pergil, which is the giant fucking space whale things. Yeah. They basically take um, Thrawn's ship out of the galaxy to where they are now, to where they, these characters are all trying to get to. Got it. And and I had read a little bit up on it because, like I said, I had not watched Rebels. I've read a lot of fan fiction from this time frame because, yeah. obviously, being an Anakin girl, I've read a ton of Clone Wars and Rebels time frame fan fiction. Yeah. But I have not re- watched the show, so I did do some reading up on these characters and why they were going through what they were going through after the first episode. Yeah. Well, and, and the reason that this event is so important, not only does it take Thrawn and Ezra out of the picture, but if Thrawn is there during A New Hope, then, like, they just, the Rebels all die. Yeah. <laughs> and the Death Star is there, and, like, that's the end, and then that's it. Like, <laughs> the Empire yeah. just crushes the Rebellion, and that's it. Because... Thrawn, and this is uh, this is gonna come up very soon, uh, is not to be trifled with. So. He's a bad mofo. Yeah, like, like in, in the in the like structure of the Empire, you have like you have the Emperor, and then you have Vader, and then you have Thrawn. Like in the like ranks of like you don't want to fuck with this person. So yeah, I, he he is um, the only non-human. That was ever made a Grand Admiral in the Empire. Because mm-hmm. one of the things they don't get into in the movies, but they very much, very heavily get to into the the books and stuff, is that uh, the Empire, like Palpatine is is very racist against like eight, like non-humans. And so to be a Grand Admiral and not be a human is, is they have to have seen you do some shit. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's kind of the big thing with Thrawn. And he's so like calculating and just has a vast knowledge of things and like really you know he never is his his mindset is never to really help vader or palpatine anyway like he's really just biding his time yeah he's kind of got a selfish mindset or yeah exactly he's he's really just furthering his own ends yep so own agenda yeah um but we also got introduced to uh general harrison doula here um and she has grown on me. I did not really love her in the first episode, but over time she's definitely grown on me. Um I, I at first I think they I didn't really like the um the like prosthetics and stuff that they did for her, but like yeah. that's really grown on me, I think. I think she episode. looks great. I like that um I like her coloring, I like everything. I think she looks cool. Yeah. Um but I Am not one, unless the makeup is absolutely horrible. Yeah, I'm not one to really nitpick about makeup and stuff like that. Right. Um, I even still watch Rain. Okay, <laughs> guys, and that costuming. Oh my! So I can look past that usually. Or like any of the CW shows where they're just in cosplay. I it? can't do the CW. <laughs> I have a line that I draw. Um, the only CW show I've ever watched all of is Shadow Hunters, mm. the Canadian uh, yeah, Mortal yeah. Instrument one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she is played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is actually, um, you know, it is married to someone in real life that we are very familiar with. Who's she married to? Obi Wan. Is she really? Yeah, yeah. They're they're married in real life. Yeah. That's so cool. I did not know that. Well, yeah. welcome to is this is her first appearance in the Star Wars universe? Uh, well, I I, I so I'm not 100% sure if she voices the character in Rebels or not. 
So I'm not sure. Well, yeah. Welcome to the live Star Wars universe. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's such a cool thing that 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 that's you know that is because Ewan McGregor is amazing. Like, he's amazing. I mean, I could never imagine any other person playing Obi Wan. No, I mean, come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, even though someone did, like, and but that, no. but Ewan is Obi Wan. Yeah, um, for sure. Definitely got to talk about this next character. Um, we are introduced to Balin Skull and his apprentice uh, Shin Hati. Yep. Uh, Balin being played by Ray Stevenson. So good. Unfortunately, uh, he in real life passed away very recently. Um, Did not know that. Yeah, within the last couple of months. And it's very heartbreaking because, like, I think he has skyrocketed to, like, a lot of people's, like, one of their favorite Star Wars characters. And me included because I absolutely love the way he plays this character. Mm -hmm. It actually reminds me so heavily of, uh, now that we're talking about it, of uh, Alec Guinness, of his portrayal of Obi-Wan in the original New Hope. He very much carries himself in that kind of way to me. And I just, I love that about his character. No, absolutely. Um, I did not know he had passed because I really love the character. And I was hoping for, like, quite a bit of content (laughs) with it. It's unfortunate. It is. Uh, Shin is kind of kooky with her powers. That that bit's crazy. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I've, I've been watching this with Kay, and like when she showed up the very first time, I was like, nah, that girl crazy. <laughs> she, she has it in her eyes. Yeah, yeah, you she's, can see. Yeah, you can just tell that like there's crazy no eyes. telling what she's going to do. <laughs> I was like, nah, she's, she is crazy. Yeah, you can tell it immediately. And there, there's been a lot of times in the show where I was like, what is she going to go off the rails and do? No kidding. And it's also interesting that they almost have that Obi-Wan and Anakin, like a dark side version of their um, kind of relationship where you have the older, wiser kind of Jedi. And then they have this reckless as fuck apprentice. And, uh, you know, the, the older the older Jedi is, uh, is he's probably going to keep his word and... Uh, you know, whatnot, but uh, their apprentice also could cut you in half. So, you know, there's no telling what could happen. Exactly. Exactly. As we found out, <laughs> he's got to keep her on a tight leash. Yeah. Um, out of the people on this list, I think the I think Morgan Elsbeth might be my least favorite of the characters. Was she in anything else? Like, because they opened this first episode with her prison break. So correct? she's the person Ahsoka fights in Mandalorian. Okay. Yeah, the chick that had the the Beskar spear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that's um. Is that's, that it? That's the that's only that's where the only we know her from. Been. Okay. So they're trying to establish that she's a like a night sister or whatever, but I'm like, why are you human then? Because she doesn't seem like a night. They sister. really need to develop that character more if they want us to like care about what yeah. happens with that yeah. one that would be honestly i know you have another flaw that you've talked to me about that i'm sure we'll talk That's about a minor thing but yeah. yeah but i think that honestly her character development is the only thing that like is ticking at me a little bit she's more like a plot device than anything else yeah yeah i absolutely see that but i need i need an explanation for why the fuck she just looks like a regular human but Nobody else from Dathomir looks that way. Like, Darth Maul is from Dathomir. Doesn't, you know, it's like, mm. Yeah, I just, for the fact that they opened the season with a significant thing like Herber's and Break. Yeah. I'm like, okay, tell me more. Why? Yeah. 
Uh, I really think she's going to turn out to just be a plot device here. Uh, but I have to talk about most people are just now being introduced to Hu Yang, which is Ahsoka's droid. And David Tennant just knocks it out of the park. He's so good. And when I heard that voice, because I kind of went into Ahsoka a little bit blind. You had talked it up a little bit before it came out. And you were like, you're going to watch, right? And I was like, "Um, yeah, because this is like my favorite time. And I had heard a rumor that my boy was going to be in it. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch it. And as soon as I heard that voice, I was like, the doctor. Yeah. I love him. Um, You know, I'm like a moderate Hoovian, you know, like I, mm-hmm. um, I'm one of those rare people that Eccleston's my favorite doctor and everybody's like, okay. I would not even call myself a Hoovian. I have yeah. not seen enough of it to yeah. be one. I have seen, I have done like a watch through of the top Doctor Who episodes to get you into the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I've never sat and like watched a whole entire season. I've watched some stuff. I feel like most people are either on the, um, like, unless, like, people like the old, like, Baker stuff, um, which I, David Tennant really is just, you know, is, like, mimicking the Baker stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, most people are either Tennant or Smith. Matt Smith is my favorite doctor. Um, yeah. I like just about anything Matt Smith does. Yeah. So. Um, he has such a horrible horrible track record like not him personally but just him getting like cast on shitty things like like you know he was the villain in morbius and he did a great okay, job i was gonna say i haven't seen it but, so. <laughs> but morbius is awful and then he was in like the shittiest terminator movie which most of them are bad but like the he's in with, like the worst yeah, one the thing with terminators is you gotta watch him for the vibes man yeah you gotta watch him to to have a moment and watch Terminator. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> I had somebody the other day that was like, yeah, they were like, yeah, Dark Fate is like the worst Terminator. And I was like, it's worse than Genesis? And they were like, it's the second worst Terminator. <laughs> and unfortunately, Genesis is the one that he's in. He plays yes. like the fucking AI or whatever. And I'm just like, come on. Um, but he was, uh, David Tennant is tremendous here. My favorite thing he's ever done actually has nothing to do with the doctor. Wonder if it's going to be the same thing as mine. You go first. Purple Man and Jessica Jones. Fuck yes! Yeah. Literally, I was like going to say that he was fucking he haunting in that. Scared the shit out of yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is horrifying. Like, I. Oh my god, it was so bad. Yeah, like it's. Ugh, oh, it's fucking horrible. He played the hell out of that character. Yeah, that character was fucking horrifying. Like, I just. I cannot, like, that's such a scary thing. Like, um, some of the most interesting stories I've seen told is, like, you know, we, we always have that, like, superhero fantasy of, like, if like this, these kind of powers existed, whether it's the Force or, you know, the alien from Krypton or what mm-hmm. the fuck ever, uh, uh, or a magic ring. But, like, his character in that was literally, like, what if the worst fucking person you know had... And this ability. Yeah. And it was just absolutely fucking awful. Like, just just haunting. And that was one of the best villains, I think, ever. Yeah. I 1,000% agree. He, as soon as it. you said that's not my favorite thing David Tennant's been in, I knew what it was going to yeah. be. Yeah. I was like, Jessica Jones. Yes. Yes. Uh. Um, so, getting into the first episode here, I got to admit, like, the first two episodes, like, 
one and then two, like one feels to me almost entirely like they're trying to get you caught up if you haven't seen Rebels at all. Yeah. Which is good. I appreciated. Yeah. As somebody who hasn't seen any Rebels now, like I said, I knew the basic characters because I do read a lot of Star Wars stuff. And I read probably in vile amount of Star Wars fan fiction. But I had a familiarity with at least your Ahsoka, your Sabine, and um, I had at least heard of... Hera? Yeah, Hera. Yeah. Thank you, General Hera. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of catch-up in this. I love the scene where Ahsoka initially found the map, mm-hmm. um, and like she was doing all the stuff where she was, uh, she like cut the holes out from under the droids and stuff, and like it was just an awesome display of what she's capable of. Yeah. Um, and like if you haven't seen, like if you're gonna watch, if you're just coming into the show blind and you've only ever seen the movies, I would say at at minimum, watch Tales of the Jedi. On Disney Plus, for because sure. that I mean, you can do that in an afternoon. I think the whole thing is maybe three hours long. Because they're like 17, 20 minute episodes. Yeah, something like that. It may not even be three hours, um, but you get a really good explanation. You actually find out how Ahsoka got her lightsabers uh, that she's using currently at the end of that. So, would definitely recommend watching that. We get the Morgan Elizabeth escape in this episode. We get kind of introduced to Balin and Shin. Uh, we also, you know, get a little bit of Hera and Hera is telling Ahsoka like, Hey, listen, if you want to crack this thing, you need to go to Sabine. Yeah. And you can tell that Ahsoka knows that's the best place to go, but doesn't want to go there. And so this is actually something that happened off screen mostly with Sabine really training with her. We really never see any of that. Like that happens in the time period. They've obviously had some sort of a close relationship at some point in time. Yeah. And then some sort of a falling out. Yes. And Sabine lives this very interesting kind of dual life where she grew up a Mandalorian, but she's now trying to learn the Force. And, like, the the Mandalorian creed and the ways of the Jedi are very, very different. They are. And there's a reason that, like, very few Mandalorians have ever become Jedi. I think it's very difficult to peek on the Jedi unless you were born and raised in this system because it goes against everything of human nature. Yeah. Like, no attachments, no fears, and emotions. Like, how do you go from being a standard human to a Jedi? I don't know. And do it successfully? Yeah. Like. Well, not, yeah, well and not the order as it was at yeah. this point, you know, which was kind of like one of the reasons that they had such a huge downfall, you know, was their kind of rigid, um, kind of dogmatic mm-hmm. kind of view of, of how the force was, you know, and everything. So Absolutely. My boy needed help. Right. And he did not get that help. Right. And, and things transpired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's the whole thing where it's like, um uh, you know, you've seen the meme where he's like, you know, talking to, or Anakin's talking about how he hates the order and everything and then it, Padme's like, well, then quit. Yeah. Like, we the just order leave. <laughs> 100% made Darth Vader. Yeah. I really do believe. Well, I don't know about 100, but okay. they definitely didn't make it easy. No, absolutely not 100. Obviously, there were other things intact, and he had to have had those negative thoughts and things present already. But they definitely fed that flame. Yeah. They fanned it, in my opinion. If they had trusted Anakin, then Palpatine probably would have went down. And, oh. And that would have been it. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, so this is probably the thing I hate most about this show 
is this fight at the end of the first episode mm-hmm. where Sabine gets stabbed mm-hmm. and doesn't die. And I hate it a lot. They have got to stop doing this. Yeah. Um, I watched one and two back to back. Um, I did not wait. I think the only ones that I've actually waited a whole week to go in between was two to three and then three to four. Yeah. Um, but one and two, I watched them back to back because they had both already come out. Yeah. And so I remember the end of one being like, go on and play the next episode. I know that bitch ain't dead. Yeah. <laughs> that bitch is not dead. I knew they had not cast Sabine this well just to kill her kill off. Kill her off in the first episode. But like the Reva stuff in the Kenobi show has really like, like they've just got to stop doing the lightsaber stabs and then having the person just be all right. Like, yeah, because then it takes away from the lightsaber. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? This is this incredible weapon and if people are just survive it's like let's make a, a wrestling um relation here we yes. go um a finishing move yeah that is supposed to be just devastating but then yeah. you have people keep kicking out of it like what the fuck yeah. like it takes gone. away the respect of the finisher yeah uh because if you want to if you think about it if you get stabbed with a lightsaber nothing that that saber touched is going to heal back. That shit's cauterized. Right. So if your intestines or what the fuck ever, that shit's not going to heal. No. Like it, it doesn't. Even the back to tank isn't going to heal that shit. Like we've seen where Vader <laughs> just sleeps in the fucking back to tank and it doesn't heal him at all. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. because of the burns. So, yeah, like stop doing that shit, please, Star Wars. Like absolutely adding this like they could have done where she got like slashed across you know because tumbled off of a hill then there's just a scar yeah but like the the stab thing you know like come on if 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 that's the case then how come how come my boy Qui-Gon ain't okay you know tell me (laughs) exactly right yeah he was Uh, gone yes um episode two however I thought really picked up um that's kind of where we got. So so they steal the, the map. They take it to Cetos. And we get this, the kind of plan revealed here of, you know, they're going to go and get Thrawn. And mm-hmm. if, you know, I, I like that the show does a good job of building up the threat that he represents. Yeah. Because a lot of people don't know who he is. Right. But Thrawn is such an important character in Star Wars because... After the original trilogy came out, there was all of these novels, you know, that that came out that were that are not canon any longer, but it, it, it was the expanded universe and everything. And easily the um the the best and most famous of all of those novels was the Thrawn trilogy um with Air the Empire. And this is where we have our three main characters uh with Han and Leia and Luke and they all get absolutely like pushed to their limits in the in the fight against Thrawn. And it's just such a great story and it's so important to the canon that they actually had uh Timothy Zahn, uh also who was at Dragon Con, they had Disney hired him to come in, uh, because all of the expanded universe stuff isn't canon anymore. They hired him to come in and write a series of Thrawn books that is canon. 
And so, like... When did those come out, or are they out? They are already out, yeah. Okay. And I don't know if there's going to be another one or not, but I think there's three or four that he wrote that are all canon, canon. novels about Thrawn. Um, and they take place, like, actually in the timeline. So, um, I, I have not read them, uh, but it's definitely something I would want to do. I absolutely want to read them. He's a good writer. Like, I, I like the Star Wars stuff that I have read from him. Um, and like I said, that trilogy is easily the most famous of the non-canon works. And I really do think that um, when they – so Dave Filoni is doing a movie next, and, I, and it's supposed to kind of uh, tie together all the, show, all the shows and everything. Okay, so we're it's in this whole Andor – Well, like, not Andor, because Andor no. is uh, pre, before episode four. Right. But so. it, it's it's going to be like Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all that stuff. That's it's going right. to be in this timeline, and it's going to wrap like bring all that together. So Got it. Boba Fett. It's probably going to have Boba in it. It's probably going to have Mando okay. and Grogu. Uh, I think that's actually confirmed. Ahsoka's definitely going to be in it. I think the movie's going to be called Heir to the Empire. And I think I think the there's no way they're going to wrap up this Thrawn stuff in this show because we've only got four episodes left. So I think this show is going to end on a, a down note. Because I think the in the I think they're gonna call the movie Heir to the Empire, and I think they're it's gonna be Thrawn versus everybody. I, I think it's gonna be Thrawn on one side, and then on the other, I think it's gonna be probably Luke, Ahsoka, um, and everybody. Now I don't know how they're gonna play that because it's like it doesn't make sense to not put Luke in it. Yeah, they have the means to put Luke in it, but then how are you gonna explain like why why are like Obviously, they could put Chewie in it. Like, that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. You just put somebody in a costume, right? But how do they explain Leia not being there? How do they explain Han not being there? Harrison Ford's not coming back. Um, now, there have been rumors that um, Aiden Ulrich, what I, I can't pronounce his last name, uh, that played him in the Solo movie mm-hmm. may reprise the role. For that, I liked him in that movie. And they could always have Leia, uh, or they could always have uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter. Daughter, I had play her. Yeah, I was so gonna say. I would be up for it. I would much rather they they do those two recasts for those two characters uh, than to just explain away why they're not in it. Yeah, like they're off on their honeymoon. Or yeah, shit. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's interesting because um, so they actually put, and I really liked that they did this. They put uh, Hera's kid, Jason, in the show. Nice. And Jason is the child, and the reason he looks human is uh, mm-hmm. her and Kanan's kid. Kanan was Ezra's like Jedi mentor. Like Kanan was a Jedi, and he died in Rebels. Boy, oh boy, after Anakin, all these, or even before Anakin at this point, oh, they're all having kids and yeah. whatever. Like, So why was it so bad that my dude was... Yeah, right. Um, uh, yeah, and I want to say that it was after. Yeah, it was. Well, it was before. Before you had. Well, to no, have... it was after the fall of the order, but it was before episode four. Yeah, it was before again. Anakin and and. Um... Well, it was after the order went down. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it was cool. after that. So, because uh, Rebels is between three and four. It's like okay. closer to episode four. So I'm just saying they gave my dude a lot of shit, and I keep oh, yeah. hearing, I keep hearing, yeah, so and so's master's kid, and so and so's kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jason is actually a, um, he's kind of a nod towards the solo twins. One of them is named Jason. 
in uh, in the original expanded universe stuff that's not canon anymore. And uh, Kylo Ren is kind of a so in the in the in the expanded universe stuff they had twins mm-hmm. Han and Leia, and then one of them turned to the dark side. And so like that's kind of what they're doing with Kylo. Uh, it was a much fucking better arc. But anyway, oh, I'm a hundred percent sure it yeah. was. Like I think uh, I think Kylo. Well, Adam Driver did with what he could with that oh, character. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still, I mean, that's my favorite thing of those movies is the Kylo Ren's storyline. Other, th- I mean, other than Daisy Ridley, I think everybody tried their best to do what they could with what they what they got. The yeah. writing was awful. Daisy Ridley sucks, and the writing is bad for her. So it yeah. was like double awful. Um, and if anybody wants to challenge me on that. Find me the definitive piece of Daisy Ridley work. <laughs> Send it to me. I will watch it, and uh, I will recant my statement if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist because she was in that movie with Tom Holland, and it was really bad, and it wasn't Tom's fault. So Which one? Uh, I don't know, but I could, we, could, we could quickly find out. I could go to the archives. Was it the... It's not the one where he played with him and Robert Pattinson, where Robert Pattinson plays like the pedo preacher, is it? This is called uh, Chaos Walking. Okay, no, so sorry. How no, Mads Mikkelsen's in it, though. That kind of, yeah, but it, it, it's not a great movie. Um, it's not good. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, um, so. One of my favorite Tom Holland pieces is one that nobody talks about, and I can't think of the name of it, but it's that one with Robert Pattinson yeah, yeah. and him, and it's like, it's dark. I've heard about that, but I haven't watched it. It's dark, yeah. but it's good. Yeah. So I, I definitely got to check that out. Whatever yes. the movie is. <laughs> Whatever. I'll find out later. <laughs> um, end of episode two, we kind of get the big reveal of what they're building. They're building this giant hyperspace ring. Yeah. They're salvaging all these former Imperial hyperspace drives. And they're kind of strapping them all to this hyperspace ring because they're actually going to try to travel in between galaxies. Um, it was so funny because I was watching episode four. And I was laying in bed, and Sophia had come in and kind of crawled in there and was watching with me, and she saw the, the, the ship. And she was like, that can't float like that. That's not possible. Why is it shaped like that? And I was like, "It." I guess to somebody who's not familiar with, like, what Star Wars is, is doing, it would look really weird, probably. Yeah. Well, it's in space. Yeah. So she's, she's anything just, floats in space. She just could not get out. She was like, can't be shaped like that and work. And I'm like... It is. It is. It is. The interesting thing about the hyperspace ring and yeah. how big it is is, you know, if they were just trying to make the jump, they would just strap all these hyperdrives to, like, a ship. Yeah. But that's not what they're trying to do. They want to bring a ship back. Yeah. Their plan is to go there and bring Thrawn's ship, the Chimera, back with them in that big space in the middle. Yeah. Um, and that would be real fucking bad for everybody because this. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's like a custom star destroyer, not to be trifled with, and it's kind of like it, it's kind of the same thing I said before. Like you know, you have the Death Star, and then you have uh, the Executor, which was like the the capital ship that. Uh, um, that you see tr- crash into the Death Star in um, um, uh, Return of the Jedi, right? And then you have the Chimera. Like, it's, it's as far as the Imperial ships, it's right below that. And it is not something that you want to fuck with. No, no, it does not seem like it at all, especially 
what we saw in episode four happened to the ships around it. Yeah, uh, so when they get there, it's going to be bad times. Mm. Uh, especially if they bring it back. Uh, but the end of episode two really frustrated me with Miss Sabine. Yeah. Like I said, she represents every reason why I could not be a Jedi. Because I 100% would yank that shit and yeah. be like, I'm going to go find my buddy, my friend. My well, well, that's in, you're talking about in four? No, when um, she steals it from Ahsoka, remember, from the hospital room. Oh, when room. she steals the map. And yes, that's how yes. the damn map gets stolen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because she makes a shit decision and takes it away from Ahsoka after Ahsoka's like, you can't leave with it. Yeah, you can't leave with it. You can do the cipher <laughs> here. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. And, and we kind of see that from her, like, throughout the rest of the show, too. Yeah, because she makes quite a few shit decisions because of... Selfish reasons. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that kind of, uh, it's her Mandalorian background. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we actually get to see some of her training in episode three. And I love all of that. Especially Hu Yang's, like, commentary. And, yeah. you know, it's like, she's good with the saber, but not because she's attuned to the force, though. It's because she's a Mandalorian and she's good at using weapons. Yeah. You know, it's not that she's using the Force in her fighting. Yeah. Um, we also got a Mon Mothma cameo here when Hera goes and tries to get support from the Senate to uh, to go and help them out. You know, we actually got to, to see Mon Mothma there for a little bit, which is great. Uh, if you have not watched Andor, turn this off and go watch it and come back. Oh, freak. Andor is... So good. Andor is my favorite of the Disney Star Wars shows. Yeah. Um, I thought that it did a really good job developing the world that they're in at that time. You know what I mean? The yeah. planets. And just a time frame where we don't have a lot of yeah. info from. I thought that they did an excellent job with that. And Diego Luna is... You didn't like him in... Um, I did not. In, in, uh, in uh, Rogue, Rogue One. One, yeah. But he's brilliant. He really is. And he really becomes the characters that he plays. I freaking love that show. Like, it's funny because if you put all the different Star Wars shows out on a list and we're like, these are all the Star Wars shows coming out. Like, when they did that, I was like, I don't give a fuck about Andor. I'm not going to watch that. I told you, you watch did. it. <laughs> and, like, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody. I was like, well, have you started watching Soki yet? They're like, no. And then like we started talking about something else, and they were like, yeah, I haven't seen Andor. I was like, no, 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 watch that shit uh, oh, yeah. because it's so good. But uh, I, I was glad to see uh, Mon Mothma come back around here because she has such a cool arc too. She does. And I really love the way that in Andor we start with her. She's in Clone Wars a bit because mm-hmm. um, she was a senator. She was a young senator before the order fell, and it's it's in the opening like kind of uh episodes of andor she still got a little bit of like naivety to her where you can you can tell that she still like at her core she still is trying to hang on to this idea that like she can diplomatically fix things yeah that that somehow they can you know kind of politically sidestep palpatine and get things back right but that was never going to be allowed to happen. And like kind of through the first season, you kind of see her where she becomes more willing to get her hands dirty because she realizes that's what's going to have to happen. You know, mm-hmm. that it was never going to, that it was going to get way uglier before it got better. You know, that Padme syndrome. You think that the Senate is going to fix everything. You think that politically you can fix everything. Yep. And he can't. Yeah. <laughs> not exactly. Not there. Um, 
so at the end of episode three, we kind of were left with uh, our heroes stranded um, because they ended up getting shot down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that episode ends with Balin being like, you know, go out there and hunt them down. And then you get episode four, which I think is so far the best episode of the season. I think episode four is better than the entire fucking sequel trilogy. <laughs> like, it's... Um, it's it's probably my favorite single episode of any of the Star Wars TV shows, other than maybe the finale for Mandalorian season two. That it's about I wouldn't it. go that far because it was a little heavy in the combat for me. I liked a little. There were things that had a little bit more character development that I preferred, but this was an excellent episode for this show. The yeah. dual saber, like. <sighs> See the thing that I love about this. Um, there was all these theories about um, uh, Merrick, about who he was going to be and all this other right. shit. And he was just like a resurrected corpse or whatever. Yeah. Um, Elspeth used her night sister shit to like resurrect one of the Inquisitors, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was just a nothing thing, which I, I loved because I love when the internet gets into like baseless theory crafting and I just kind of yeah. sit back and watch it. Yeah. Um, but uh, <clears throat> th- this episode was combat heavy. But the thing I really loved about it is the combat all all told such a good story. It um, did. The the second fight with um uh Haiti and Sabine, uh Sabine knows that she's outclassed. And, you know, she has that moment that, that I really loved where she like acts like she's gonna use the force and like Hati realizes she can't use it mm-hmm. and then she shoots her with the the wrist thing or whatever from the the best car stuff and like that whole thing was like just really awesome because it it played on sabine using all the tools at her disposal at her disposal exactly no like i said i really love sabine as a character despite all of her flaws her because i i relate to sabine you know what i mean like like i said i feel like that is me as a character in that, like, I would make probably crappy decisions. Yeah. And, like, so, yeah, I, I really loved that scene where she kind of had to utilize what she had because yeah. she didn't have the force. Yeah. I loved the Ahsoka and Balin fight to so no end. So good. Really, really well done. Um, it's one of the best fights in do you think he was using a stunt double? Do you think that that was the actor? I mean, he didn't. It doesn't matter to you. It didn't matter to me, but he didn't really do anything that was crazy. No flips or anything like that. The thing I really liked about about this, and and here, and I, I, I'll this is probably <clears throat> a larger commentary on Star Wars combat, right? <laughs> so in. The original trilogy, they were doing like the best they could. A lot of it was almost more of a medieval style of fighting, just yeah. with the lightsabers and like the force powers and stuff. Um, but if you go and look at the actual fight between Luke and Vader in Empire, that's a really good fucking lightsaber fight. They did a lot for that time period as far as stunts and action and that sort of thing. And then. You know, obviously the one at the end of Return of the Jedi, like, Vader's old, he's wrecked, you know, Luke is, like, full power, Vader's on the defensive for most of that fight. Mm-hmm. Great fight also. Great. But then you go into the sequels, and it's like, well, let, let me go back. 
I like the fighting in the prequels. In the prequels, the fighting is good, but sometimes it feels over choreographed, right? Like sure, with the Yoda stuff, especially when he's like, you know, flipping off stuff a little bit. Sometimes I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like obviously the the skill level of the of those characters, mm-hmm. like they wanted to put that prowess like on yeah. display, and I get that. But uh, and, and honest, obviously, like the best fight of all time is the Anakin and Obi-Wan fight at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like, mm-hmm. not only is it the longest fight in cinema history, I don't know if you knew that little piece of trivia, but... I think I did, because it is probably one of my favorite fights in, well, easily in Star Wars, yeah. but also in um, any movie. In anything, yeah. yeah it's, it's tremendous. so freaking good. There's some GOT fights, though, but... There's not the cinematic level that that one is. That fight just gets you from everywhere. Like, you have the emotion of the two characters and their backstories Mm -hmm. and everything. And, like, you knew it was leading to this the whole time. And it's Mm -hmm. heartbreaking. And then you also have that amazing score from John Williams in the background. And, like, then you also have the visual of them fighting over this lava planet. So good. I I really liked the Obi-Wan fight as well. Which one? Um... Talking about the end of of Kenobi when they fought again. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, But this fight to me, like, when we get to the sequels, all the lightsaber fights are just fucking trash. Yeah, I I was not a huge fan of very many things in the sequels, unfortunately. I think the only lightsaber fight that I like in the sequels or fight at all is uh, is probably the the last fight between Ray and Kylo when they're where uh they're fighting on I guess the chunk of the Death Star and like the yeah. waters all around them and stuff. That was a, a a good fight. Um but it's not great. And it immediately gets overshadowed by Han right after which is probably my favorite moment in the whole sequel trilogy is that that when Han shows up in the last movie. Mm-hmm. Um other than that you can package all that shit up and take it. But uh, <laughs> uh, this fight, to me, it was not overly flashy, mm-hmm. and they made it make sense. Like, he is this, he's fighting with power, and she's trying to fight with agility. And, like, just so much of it was, like, really good where, you know, she, she ends up, uh, they have this scene where she burns her hand, and that affects her. And that, now she's, like, tr- having to try to hold him off with the, the just the force and the one hand. And uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people have been like, well, why isn't she using the two sabers or whatever? And um, the thing about that is the, the two sabers is actually more of a defensive lightsaber stance. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that it would have benefited her that much in that that situation. No, it probably wouldn't have. She knew she was going to need more power against him. Yeah, she had to utilize the force and things. She had to utilize all of her duels once again. Yeah. And I love the scene where his like apprentice comes comes up and tries to like interfere and Ahsoka just straight wrecks her cuz she thinks she's killed Sabine. <sighs> yep. I loved that. We got to see that bit of Anakin in her because there is a part of her that is Absolutely. very much Anakin Skywalker. Um and and you know, going back to that too like the Order also fucked her over. You know, she also let she left the Jedi Order, not in the fashion that he did, yeah. but she walked away from them as well. And that was another thing that weighed on Anakin uh, as well. Like, lo- you know, him, his side of it, him losing his, his apprentice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, if he had only gone with her, 
you know, everything will probably be okay. With the Jedi Order, I have so many issues. So I have I have issues with any order or um, yeah. we could do a whole yeah. thing on different um, governments and orders in movie the uh, what is it film history. Yeah, uh, but that one. I have my own issues with because yeah, it did fuck up her just as much as it did Anakin. Yeah, because like she got falsely accused of some shit that she didn't do. Yeah, and was put on trial for it and everything. And then like when it turned out like that, like none of them trusted her and everything. She was just like, well, "All fuck right, you too. Well, I'm out." You know? Yeah, exactly. Like they had a big issue with believing in people. Yeah. <laughs> like and. I just, I don't know. I didn't see, maybe Anakin, but especially Soka. she didn't really give him a reason yeah. to not believe in her. Yeah. So. I mean, just being Anakin's apprentice was enough, apparently. Apparently. I don't know. But I loved how how this fight just, they took everything into account. Um, and it, it was just so well done. And, like, you see from the very opening, like, him trying to get in her head. You know, he starts it off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Anakin always spoke so highly of you, just immediately trying to affect her. And uh, it, it was just, it was so well done. I really loved all of this, all the interactions between these two I characters. I 100% agree. I thought it was so well done. And that fight just really brought some things full circle for, I mean, even going to, like, Clone Wars and things like that. It just was really good. So let's talk about the end. <laughs> so... Ahsoka ends up in somehow here in the World Between Worlds, as it's called. Yep. Which is a thing that was in Rebels. Mm-hmm. They didn't really explain it. They were just like, this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so she is essentially in a kind of like pocket dimension of the Force where time is kind of irrelevant. So we don't know that this is Anakin's Force ghost. It could be actually him. We don't really know. We don't yet. I'm I, hoping they're going to explain it more in the it, next episode. I don't think this is going to be a simple cameo. I think in the next episode we're going to get more between the two of them. And I fucking love it because the if anybody needs a redemption arc in this damn series for the amount of shit that he was given and I was alone well, on the mountain, I felt like. The original trilogy is his redemption arc. If you think about it. But, no, I'm talking about Hayden Christensen as oh, an actor. I, I, oh, yeah, for sure, yeah. Like, it, it feels so good when he does events, like, for the Obi uh, Wong show or now for this. And people cheer him and, like, love him. He caught so much shit, but it's like, the that's the character, you know? Yes, it really was. And I thought he played the character so freaking well. He did. And but there was a long time frame where the prequel was the sequel. You know yeah. what I mean? And I people, was never on that bandwagon. People yeah. loved to talk shit about it because it wasn't what they wanted from it. Yeah. You know what I mean? What the first movie was too kid like kiddish or kid based. Phantom Menace is bad. Like it I will- is. <laughs> it is my least favorite of the three. My yeah. favorite of the three, I think, is the second one. Yeah. Um. But. Because it's a romance story. <laughs> Hush. But, no, I I love a lot of things. I love when you, um, when Obi-Wan goes and they find out that they're building the droids and things like that. Like, there's a lot of lore that they kind of answer in, yeah. in that 
episode. And but, all, the, um, all the Boba Fett backstory stuff was That so was exactly too. it. The name was kind of leaving me, but I was I didn't want to say the Mandalorian guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like there's so many exactly. of Exactly. Um, but the Boba Fett backstory and just so much of it, it was so brilliantly done to me. That yeah. is my personal favorite of the movies. But I just love the redemption arc that I feel like Hayden Christensen is getting that is well-deserved. He, like, quit acting. Yeah. Because of the amount of shit he was given. Yeah. And I just don't think it was valid. No, it wasn't warranted. And honestly, like, it's it's interesting that the prequels have had such a resurgence. Because it's like, the original trilogy came out, and then the prequels came out. And, and you people, had your diehard Star Wars people that just could not accept anything different yeah, from what and, they wanted. And then the sequel trilogy came out, and, and then they, they were like, like oh, we oh, had it, it so good before. It could be this bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had it so good. And, and what's interesting, you know, uh, uh, a lot of people, there are less of them now, but there's so many sequel trilogy apologists. And it's it's interesting to see how, like, over time, they've just kind of dwindled. Mm-hmm. Because... I go to a lot of conventions. Mm -hmm. You have to go to a Star Wars celebration or a like Dragon Con, a major huge convention to see a single Ray cosplay. Oh yeah, to see a single Kylo cosplay. You you do see Kylo more than anybody. I I was gonna say because I mean, like I said, I can appreciate what they tried to do with his storyline. Yeah. You see a lot of five of first um, Kylos. You don't see uh, anybody else. I've never seen a fucking. I've never seen a Snoke cosplay. I've never seen a fucking Poe or a Finn cosplay. I've never seen them. And it's so rare that you see a Ray. And when you do see a Ray, you don't see anybody taking photos of them or anything. Nobody gives a shit about that character. Yeah. I saw more Padme Amidala cosplays at Dragon Con this year. From young kids, like people like under the age of 15, than I did anything else. That's the only, I'm ashamed to say, the only Star Wars is that Sophia has seen. The sequels? Is one, two, and three. No. Oh, the prequels. Yes, yeah. the prequels. Yeah, no, um, I mean, that's fine. That's kind of just where I'm at with her. I don't think she has the attention span for the originals yet. Yeah. Um, and the sequels, I mean, I don't. Think she would be into, yeah. I think she's seen. I like. I think she's seen the first of the sequels because I wanted when when it was pre coming out and everybody was like Ray, Ray, Ray. I was like a female Jedi. Like I really want to show this with Sophia, and she was probably five or six. So I know she doesn't remember it. Yeah, but I do think that we watched the first, and then after the first of the sequels, I knew this wasn't for me. So I watched the remaining. Yeah. But I didn't show them to her. Yeah. Last Jedi seems like it would be awful for a kid to sit through. I mean, it was awful for me to sit through. Yeah. But for different reasons. Yeah. For sure. But I am just so happy to see um, Anakin. Yeah. Like, I physically made a squeal. I, I got to I gotta say, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this. There's a couple things they could do. Um, one of the, I mean, so obviously like one theory is that they're just going to go off to this galaxy and have a, a whole separate storyline in like a different galaxy and just kind of separate the canon. And Sabine is going to be the one that's kind of in the 
current timeline a little bit? Well, I, I don't know. So, like, here's the thing. So, if you take this whole thing to a different galaxy, like, maybe maybe they they bring Thrawn back in this show, and then they have the movie, and then maybe at the end of the movie, maybe Ahsoka, Ezra, whoever, maybe they go back to that other galaxy. Because they, they, they've got to explain why she's not around in the sequels, right? Yeah. Um, thankfully, she was spared from that shit. Mm. Uh, you do hear her voice in the in nine, like at the end when all the like Jedi are like talking to her or whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, forgot about that. Yeah, uh, but it, it's it's entirely possible that that is how they write all these characters off, and that like they could go and do a whole different thing in this other galaxy. I'd be okay you know? with it. I would I be mean... fine with it too. Um. You know, to kind of have this canon that's kind of away from all the Skywalker stuff. And I think, I mean, I think there's a large amount of Anakin that could still be shelved out. Yeah, I mean, they could. In that character. They like, could. what led him to where we are at Yeah. the original Star Wars movies? Yeah. There had to be a lot of shit. Yeah. That's so true. and we've touched on it, but I don't think we fully developed everything that they could do with it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Like I, I don't want to theory craft too much because we just don't know. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah, now, for sure. Know? And then you end up, you know, saying something that you're like, "Well, that wasn't yeah, right at that all." That didn't play out well. No. <laughs> um, you got anything else on this before we wrap it up? No, other than my hopes for the rest of the season. I just really, really. Hope to see more Anakin Asaka relationship because I haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels. I don't have a whole lot of it in so my, you know, vision. I, and they both did the voices, right? Um, did Rosario do? No, no. Ashley Eckstein, okay. uh, Eckstein did the voice for Ahsoka doing all of that. Okay. And Anakin is somebody else. It's not Hayden. Oh, is know. it not even in Rebels? Well, no, in Rebels, he's Vader already. So okay. uh, I think it's uh, James Earl Jones does the voice for Vader in that. Hmm, okay. So. I will have to look that up because I swear I thought there was something he voiced that was animated, but I don't know what it is now. It may have, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. And I know that Ewan didn't do Obi-Wan's wish for that. I okay. really wish that they had gotten Ewan McGregor for this show also. like. I, I I want to see all three of them together in live action. I 1,000% agree. So. But uh, that being said, these have been really fun. Episode 5 been. is going to be in theaters in certain cities, not ours. Oh, my gosh. You just got my hopes way up here and, and then, then dropped them in the yeah. same sentence. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I, it's it's got to be something big. It's about got to, to be. So. It's got to be. I think we get Thrawn's actual debut in the next episode, probably. I so. am like my head spinning now. This is what's new information to me. Yeah. Um, it comes out on what night does it actually come Tuesday out? Night. Tuesday so, night. So here's the thing. Disney Plus everything is always released Thursday morning, 3 a.m. Everything always. But for this, they actually um, changed it, and it's like Tuesday, 9 p.m. is when they add it. So, so I know what I'll be doing it Tuesday at 9 p.m. Yeah. Or maybe it's 7. It's it's Tuesday nights. Okay, well, out. I know what I'll but be doing Tuesday I, night. I, I want to say it's 9. Though. Are you going to watch it Tuesday night so I can text you about it? Um, or are you going to be a So here's the thing. 
Maybe not because I actually have to work late that day. Okay. And I don't know what the situation is going to be, but I've been watching it with Kay, so I want to keep watching it with her, of course. For sure, so. for sure. But, but if I, I don't watch it Tuesday, text you about it. when I get up Wednesday, I'm going to be like, we got to watch this, we got to watch this, we got to watch this. So. Okay, no problem. So uh, yeah. by Wednesday, I should be able to text you about it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You can you can spoiler free text me on Tuesday. Okay. Have you watched and it? And be like, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so... All right. Well, uh, that being said, I was absolutely thrilled for you to join me here today. We had so much to catch up on. Yes. uh, (laughs) It's always a blast. Check out Coffee and Lore on YouTube. I appreciate it. My numbers have been growing. I don't know if they're coming from here or not. If they are, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it tremendously. Um, We're pushing it. I'll have the... uh, uh, We have a Linktree link now. Um, So I will put that in the description and you can go on there and you can find everything. You can find the Coffee and Lore YouTube page. You can find our stuff. You can find uh, Superhero Homies on there. You can find Tavern Notice Board on there. I know they just recorded an episode yesterday. I have no idea what it was and about. And it is Tavern Notice Board's birthday week, so That's show right. them some love. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely, uh, I don't like I said, I don't know what they were talking about yesterday, but it <laughs> seemed like they were having a good time. So uh, I'm sure it'll be fun. Yeah, I can't wait to listen to it. So. That being said, uh, this has been an Evolved Review, and uh, we will see you guys soon. Laters.